You're listening to the Vanu Podcast, the podcast making you invulnerable to the coercion of the state and the servile society. Visit our website for free resources to aid you in your pursuit of self-liberation. Old Vanu publications, podcasts, guest articles, and much more. Go to vanupodcast.com. And now, your hosts, Shane and Jason. Welcome to the Vani Podcast, the podcast making you invulnerable to the coercion of the state and the servile society. I'm your host, Shane, coming to you from the Free Republic of Pasnia. For more information, visit pasnia.com. Uh, link will be in the show notes. So today I've got a uh, uh, another, I guess, uh, re-release for you uh, from a previous LUA radio episode. Um, it's uh, titled Mapping the Second Realm um, with uh, Joe Sal, a uh, gentleman that I met on Steemit. Uh, and uh, Kyle was uh, obviously there for this episode as well. Uh, but basically, the, uh, the the context for this uh, this was a, a couple years ago. June fourth, two thousand eighteen, was when this re- this was released. Uh, so it was uh, within that past uh, the, the previous week that this was recorded. I don't remember the exact recording date. But uh, anyway, we had just uh, I guess recently finished up the building the second realm series, and uh, Joe Sal had uh, had uh, made some posts on Steemit. Uh, with uh, you know some responses, some ideas, uh, some some of his strategizing, and uh, we invited him on for an episode, and uh, this is the discussion that uh, that came out. Uh, it was certainly a, a, f- a fun episode. Uh, I, I forgot uh, everything that we went into uh, since this was uh, a couple years ago, uh, but uh, I think it's a really good supplement to our building the second realm series, uh, and we we just dive into. Uh, yeah, we go we go more in depth, and uh, I guess more examples are are, are, are uh, ran through. So, uh, hope you guys uh, def- hope you guys uh, enjoy this episode. I will uh, keep it short today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, yeah, until next time, stay safe and stay liberated. Um, as I said, we do have an extremely special episode for you today. We are joined by Joe Sal, a gen- gentleman I met on Steemit. Uh, he and I have been uh, doing some strategizing on the platform regarding the second realm, and I found his insights and perspective to be highly valuable. Uh, for that reason, I invited him to come on, come on and chat with Kyle and I. Um, and uh, yes, name's Joe. If you want to find him on Steam, it's at Joe Sal, uh, J O E S A L. Uh, so, Joe, welcome to the uh, the podcast, sir. How are things going? Uh, going pretty well. Happy to be here. Um, yeah, I look forward to our discussion on second round. Same here. Same here. So, uh, I guess first off, why don't you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners a little bit about uh, you know who you are and who uh, and uh, what you do? Yeah, a lot of my philosophy is. is mostly in individual anarchy and uh, a lot of that's based on um, loosely on Josiah Warren's philosophies. Um, it, it kind of overlaps a lot with um, a lot of the first realm um, philosophies and the political architectures and things like that. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty good fit there. Um, I do a lot of stuff with like projects and cost estimates and stuff like that. Just, uh, as far as my, my basic like occupation, um, I'm, I'm fairly good with numbers and math and all that stuff. Um, but I also, um, kind of look at systems and, uh, how systems are built and kind of what their weaknesses and strengths are. Um, there's, I, I just do a lot of that basically. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what my, um, what my skill set is. All right, gotcha, gotcha. So, um, so obviously, you know, I, I posted, uh, you know, I post, I, I put up a post on Steemit, and the first time I heard from you, and it was on, uh, you know, discussing Second Realm stuff. So, did you hear about the Second Realm through us? And uh, I guess uh, how much, how much of the content have you listened to? I mean, uh, how uh, much of the Second Realm information have you consumed? 
Um, mostly, uh, yeah, I ran across what you had on uh, Steemit, and uh, I also went to uh, the Liberty Under Attack um, website and uh, read what you have there. Um, I haven't made it completely through the book or the PDF yet on, on online, but uh, I kind of understand the concepts. And, um, a lot of them overlap with some other things I've, I've kind of been looking at. So, But it, it was new to me. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen it before. Um, basically, what I read, um, what you posted. Gotcha. Yeah, and it's it's kind of sad, Kyle. Right? I mean, it, so Anaplex.net is this fantastic website with so many great articles and books and pieces and all of that, and no one really knows about it. Like uh, when we started yeah. hashtag Bora and second round book on strategy, I mean, that was brand new material for a lot of folks. Uh, yeah, which is uh, you know kind of depressing in some sense, but not really because that gives us an opportunity to uh, you know, talk about it. again. Again, with all the political crusading as well as the oxymoronic, you know, anarchist politicians of one flavor or another, and like that's where a lot of the attention for a lot of people goes. I'm kind of not Fair surprised. Enough. I'm kind of, if you really think about it, I mean, even even when we developed the FUDA, that Freedom Umbrella of Direct Action, and that whole series, which lasted quite a bit of time, you know, even after all of that, still a lot of people's, fo- now that, that helped to promote the notion of direct action as the, I would say, the preferred alternative to political crusading. But even after that, still a lot of people's attention was still on uh, public policy and, you know, whatever his, uh, his no. wannabe majesty, the shiny rug was doing. Right. So, you know, I, I mean, there, there was still a lot of that, but it did help quite a few people at the very least turn away from collective movementism and turn them away from basically controlled schizophrenia or at least help them get started you know obviously not a 100 percent cure but you know you have to you know you have to put one foot one foot in front of the other and you have to take the first step and i would like to think that you know stuff that we've done before is is kind of the first step or or one one of the first series of steps whether it was you know the direct action series or whether it was uh, the building the second realm series and so forth that these are like first steps so to speak Right. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I guess I guess I'm not really surprised either, um, except for the fact that the second Rome book came out in 2013. Uh, you know, that was definitely before uh, you know this uh, this this most recent selection cycle. Um, yeah, I guess. But sure. Well, it wasn't heavily. But the, hold on a minute. But then again, uh, yes, it may have been published in 2013, but it wasn't exactly heavily marketed, was it? Right. And, yeah, and yeah. Shane. And you know what? Honestly, man, I think on this one, I think you deserve credit. I think you're like you're you're their best like you know publicist <laughs> in a manner of speaking, their best marketer, because like before you and before that building second realm series, like this wasn't widely known. Like a few people knew about it here and there, right? Smuggler knew about it, I knew about it, a few other people did, but then you kind of really made it go public in like really more so than the way it is and now like it's it's a thing now you've made it a thing which is awesome not quite a trend but close just like Vonnie and who yeah. Yeah. well like yeah. yeah just like we've done with Vonnie yeah exactly so I mean that's kind of the thing you know if, you, if you're gonna like really promote something with with the intention of hey people instead of wasting your time with you know basically um, and, and this is NSFW, by the way, uh, you know, basically, you know, with, instead of wasting your time, basically jerking off, at least this time you'll have something to show for it. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it'll even feel better, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess, I guess, uh, you know, there might be a lot of masochists that, uh, you know, love, uh, love politics. And they love the abuse. Uh, they and love that the would abuse. Explain, and that would explain political crusading. It's basically the family friendly version of, uh, BDSM, right? 
I, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Safe, sane, and consensual need not apply to politics. No. No, it does not. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. Sometimes we do talk like this. <laughs> oh, no worries. No worries. I, I, I'm like you, though. I give kudos to uh, Shane. That's for bringing this, this forward and uh, really putting it out there for second round. Well, I appreciate it, guys. But I didn't think of it. I just, you know, it's a, it's a podcast on and such. But uh, anyways, I guess let's go ahead and, and start getting into it. Uh, now, Kyle, I know you haven't had a, haven't had a chance to read, uh, you know, our, our uh, Joe and I's back and forth on uh, Steam It. Um, I've actually been reading it right now as as we've been kind of doing this. So, yes, I, I have an okay, idea for where, where you're both from now. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So so I, I guess we'll still, for, for the benefit of the listeners at least, uh, Joe, why don't you, I guess, kind of... Uh, Lay out your perspective on the second realm and, and, and kind of your, um, I guess, your, your insights and, and, and uh, I guess, you know, social, you know the, the social construct aspect, uh, the map that you put together, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of start there. Yeah, I wanted to map out uh, kind of the differences in the political landscape of where first realm was and then basically the different parts of second realm. Um, at first, I, I started thinking of second realm being the entire uh, lower y-axis uh, the lower bottom. Um, but what you have in the political landscape is usually your social constructs are on the left. And so you'll see the organizations and institutions and everything that's kind of a, a social um, construct that usually occurs on the left. Uh, usually on the right, you see more individual um, individuals. Uh, it's oriented individually. And there's a lot more uh, basically individual sovereignty on, on the right. Um, and so what I was thinking when I was doing that is that you probably end up with outposts, uh, for people on the political landscape who are on the right, uh, for second realm. And then people who are more social, you would end up with, uh, more social constructs on the left. Um, I think that's kind of how, um, second realm uh, what's existing probably would look like that. And also what comes more into the future and uh, expands will, will look something like that. Right. And, and, and for, for the benefit of the listeners who aren't looking at this, I'll put uh, you know links to these in the, in the show notes and also put this image. It'll probably be uh, the, the show image. Uh, but just for the benefit of the listeners, uh, it's just a, a rectangle on the bottom, or I guess uh, on the, on the uh, X axis, you have uh yeah, that's it. It's been a while since I've done math. Yeah, that's the x-axis. Um, so yeah, the, the x-axis, x-axis, it's the bottom. Yeah. Um, I, I knew that. I was second-guessing myself. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, on the x-axis, you have the anti- so uh, so x-axis, anti-authoritarian, um, and then you have uh, left and right. On the right, you have more individualist-leaning, um, and on the left, you have more kind of the social um, and the collective. And the further up the y-axis you get, the more authoritarian you get. Um, so the, I'd say probably 80-85% of this rectangle is the first realm, and on the bottom... Um, you have uh, on the uh, anti-authoritarian on the left side, you have the second realm, which is just uh, another rectangle, more of a social construct. And then on the right, you have, uh, you know, second realm outposts. I think that's an interesting analysis, too, because, yeah, if you look at the left, I mean, they're definitely uh, <laughs> more more social, right? Uh, and on the, uh, the the right, it's more, um, uh, you know, it's more individual outposts, like individual families is how it, how it kind of is in the first realm now. Um, and I, I guess, you know, maybe that's how it would be for, for uh, you know, the anti-authoritarian version. Um, or I guess just the, this, I guess uh, the second realm. Um, so maybe it'd, it'd be similar to that too on on the right on the, uh, the right of the spectrum, I suppose. So um, Kyle, I guess you're probably taking a look at the chart now. I mean, what do you think initially of this of this uh, this chart and this, this kind of analysis? 
Okay, I have something to agree on and then something to disagree on. So let's let's do uh, glass half full first, right? I think, Joe, I think you're right in saying that at least while building the second realm or building much of anything, it's going to take the form of more like outposts first, right? It's not going to be it's not going to be like, for example, the uh, like the fictional equivalent of like Aurora from Alongside Night, right? It's not going to be that at first. It can't be. It's it's too much too soon, and there just simply isn't enough market demand for that. It's going to be more like outposts where you have individual traders in like different areas uh, doing uh, you know however they're going to be doing their trades, Indiv- right? Individual so, van nomads, I'd say, would fall into the second realm outposts. Uh, Minimal yeah. sailboaters would fall into that second realm outpost where it's more kind of individual or maybe even family focused, um, I, I would say. Yeah, exactly. And even if it's like, even if it's people who are practicing urban Vanu, like meeting in a park. Oh, I have a funny story. I'll save this. I'll save this for another small talk portion for another episode. Funny thing I actually learned today about uh, doing some deals at Walmart, apparently. And it's not what you think, actually. Because uh, a lot of people make some assumptions about that. Actually, it's a new commodity, hot commodity, actually. But I'll save for another episode. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to take more of the form of of, of outposts. And I, I think Joe, I think you are right. Your inclination is right that that's that's kind of where it's going to go, at least initially. And yes, so it's not going to be a realm. It's not going to be, um, you know, it's not going to be a like like a defined area, uh, whether whether digital or physical. It's it's going to be really just individual traders and like whomever. You know, it's all, not quite necessarily like, you know, a back alley where they got where the trader like that, that kind of archetype where they like fling open their trench coat of like illegal contraband or whatever, even though that's kind of redundant. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to it's going to be individual trading first. I, I think you're right about that. That being said, <clears throat> now for points of disagreement. Um, I reject the entire notion of the left right paradigm. So the assumption that somehow people that are right wing, right, whatever, are individualists is frankly fucking laughable. I grew up with conservatives, hardcore conservatives, voted for the Republican Party and all that crap. They were pretty collectivist, and it wasn't just because they were Catholics. On top of it, uh, there is such a thing as, uh, you know, my my country right or wrong. There is such a thing as my flag. There is such a thing as uh, we need to support our military and our police. All these right-wing talking points are about as anti-individualist as you can fucking get. Um, in fact, it almost makes the left look almost individualist when they're, when they're talking about, hey, you know, it's get your walls off my body type of thing. Um, but of course, the collectivism of the right does not excuse the collectivism of the left. These are just different forms of, of collectivism. In fact, there's to kind of, uh, <laughs> dismantle a popular song, fascists to the right of me, commies to the left, and here I am stuck in the middle with you. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and so there's that. I think what you were trying to get at though, um, in, in the interest of, um, fair play here. I think what you were trying to get at was that there's kind of a more individualist orientation and then a collectivist one. And I see that on the, uh, on the diagram as well. I think that's a better way of putting it that yes, initially you would have the outpost, which would be the individual traders. And then you would have the second realm, which would be more of like a collection of traders that are all kind of next to each other, I suppose. And a um, source. yeah. It, yes, uh, maybe a more concentrated one, maybe. Maybe uh, if we were to go back to the New Libertarian Manifesto, maybe like a Phase 2 or Phase 3 Agora, uh, probably. 
Um, but yeah, like like a mid like a mid condensation one to get a little bit more precise about it. But yeah, I, I I think I think that's kind of the idea here, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because if you have uh, people who don't necessarily believe in the concept of government, uh, you know, screaming bloody murder about how wonderful uh, secession is. Uh, that would kind of be a sort of a collective thing, I suppose, hypothetically, minus the political crusading part, which would, of course, be the entirety of secession, because secession is a political crusading talking point. Uh, it's, a discussion. Political, it's a political strategy, unless you're going to talk about killing government agents. So, yeah. Yeah, and at that point, it's not even really secession. You're you're just fighting for independence at that point. Yeah, then it's, then, so, it's, then it's not it maybe revolution. It's just, I guess, liberation at that point, yeah. Yeah, and it wouldn't just be self-liberation either. It's like you're we're we're now like helping each other out and you know basically putting the bludgy six feet under is kind of what that comes down to. The only difference is, of course, is now we're moving in fire teams, and th- and then that's and that's the only difference. It's like yeah, hey, you know, you know, Tango, you take point on that one, and then at that point we're we're just you know at that point it's just strategy and tactics in terms of how to uh, fulfill the objective of putting them six feet under. Um, but if we're not having that use of force discussion and so forth, um, then, then yeah, otherwise we're, we're trying to like build up like our own markets and stuff so we can survive and preferably use different currencies, different tangible goods and, and whatever else. So we don't have to rely on, you know, fiat currency that's been, you know, uh, <laughs> essentially devalued by central banking and such, which, which anybody worth their salt knows is, is not, not a good way to go. I mean, Obviously, for some purposes, you have to use it because there's no other better options available, which, again, is the purpose of the second realm is to try and develop those better options to using Federal Reserve notes, right. at least part. So that's kind of the other thing, too. So. So, yeah, Joe, I know maybe that was a long winded way of putting it. So I agree with you that at first it's going to be more like an outpost model where it's going to be individual traders in different areas and kind of scattered around, probably more mobile than stationary, more likely than not. However, over time, and this is more where Konkin was getting at, over time, it's going to condense more into certain areas. And yes, I guess you could say it would be collective in some sense, but not collective in any way dissimilar from what some ANCAPs would call um, private cities, or um, what were those? I, I think there was that episode chain where we looked at like free isles and a couple other things like that. Right. Free isles, sovereign free ports, new libertarian countries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are all collectives too. So I guess the second realm would be maybe like the better version of like those those older concepts, I suppose. Um, so again, I mean, I, I guess maybe what I'm kind of arguing for here is that maybe not all collectives are necessarily bad. So, I mean, maybe, right. maybe as, that's as long as the individual doesn't get lost in the collective, which that's what happens with political crusading. But, or, uh, but, right, uh, or you have your collective, right. Or you have your collective basically try to squish individuals, you know, have to sacrifice them for the greater good and all this kind of status nonsense, then yes. But yeah, it's kind of like, as long as it's safe, sane, and consensual, like, what's the problem here? Right, right. So, uh, Joe, uh, do you want to respond to Kyle? Oh, sure, sure. And, and I don't think we necessarily have a disagreement. Um, in when you look at the that basic the political landscape, um, I want to make sure we're not talking past each other. Um, when a conservative uh, starts talking about their philosophy being on the right, and they start and they start talking about collectivist concepts being part of of that ideology, 
they basically take themselves out of the right. So what you're looking at there in the political landscape is not like uh, a language that we normally use, like um, the conservatives are to the right. No, this what you're looking at, at in that political landscape is more empirical. Um, it's it's I mean ideo- the ideology of it. You can't have a conservative who's a collectivist and be on the right. That doesn't make any sense. So, so we're not talking past each other. What you're seeing on the landscape of that is basically the empirical uh, objectivity of of the ideologies, not the philosophy itself. Right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, right. I mean, you can't just say you're right on the right. You're on the individual right, and still hold collectivism that's it's that's inconsistent that's not logical at all right it's 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 like it's like when conservatives talk about you know um you know they they, they favor free markets or something uh, and no they don't they don't um, yeah because uh, because because if they did they wouldn't be conservatives they would either be like us or they would be just total not even so much lefty but like really like full-blown more honest authoritarians like um not just hillary clinton but also like feinstein and a couple of the others where they're so nasty, even a lot of the other lefties are like toned down on the statism, right? <laughs> like they're against guns and they're ag- and they're for the NSA and some other stuff. It's like, whoa, whoa! I don't know, you guys like the military-industrial complex and wanted to grab our guns. Jesus, tone it down a bit. Smoke some weed. Do something. <laughs> oh wait, they want to grab those people and throw them in jail. It's like, wow. Yeah, man. I mean, you guys make lefties look like nice people. Because at least at least the stereotypical lefties are like more like a kind of a Bernie Sanders Scandinavian socialism type thing where it's all like lubby dubby charity type stuff. Let's feel good. So at least they and as bad as that is, they at least have some of their humanity still left as opposed to being like these vipers who basically just want to basically, you know, kill, you know, kill, 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 kill. Like uh, many like many soldiers are being taught now how to do in the military and so forth. Um Words is like confis- like steal, 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 confiscate, confiscate, confiscate. I mean, that's the state, man. Um, so yeah, uh, whether it's somebody like Pelosi or Feinstein, I mean, I, le- I know this may sound strange. I wish specific politicians like those folks were lefties because they're so far gone. Like, like even even if we go back to this chart where it says about authoritarian, you know, in the first realm, somebody like a Feinstein or a Pelosi would be so more Top like center. in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, I would say, but like more like in the middle, but like way at the top. I, it's just like, I mean, they're so, I mean, they're like, what, one or t- two steps away from Pinochet or Pol Pot or, you know, pick a tyrant who may have had some flavor one way or another, but really at the end of the day was really just a monster. Hey, don't, like, co- don't, Pol- compare, don't, don't compare Feinstein to, uh, to, to Pinochet with my, uh, you know, Pinochet's dead. You know, Feinstein's not. You know, maybe the anarcho capitalists start talking about, you know, uh, you know the, the Feinstein helicopters now. I don't know. Yeah, so really the only thing I would really say about, about the diagram, I think this is like a good initial draft. My only suggestion would be, like in the lower left and the lower right corner where it says left and right, just like erase those. And then everything else I think is actually pretty good. So you have got authoritarian at the top, anti-authoritarian at the bottom, Social collective on one side, individual on the other. The second realm would be closer to us to a social collective. The outpost would be closer to more of an individual, like not social collective. Another, and so yeah, just with that that little correction, I think the diagram is actually otherwise not too bad. So yes, it might sound like I'm nitpicking, and maybe perhaps I am, 
But I would say otherwise, you know, this diagram is definitely better than what I would ever come up with. So I think overall, I, I think I think it's a, at least a halfway decent idea. But of course, part of the free market in, in ideas or whatever is kind of having certain things getting tested, right? Much like argumentation ethics, Hans Hermann Hoppe's idea, which has been very much tested over a period of 26 years. And I would say like this diagram is like no no exception, like like, you know, you know, kind of uh, putting it against a cheese grater and see how well it goes. Right. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> man, I, I think I think seriously, Joe, I think this diagram for the most part is actually pretty good. OK, yeah, it's it's based off the political compass. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, really not much changes if you erase left and right. It, uh, it shouldn't change the um, basically the position of the ideologies within the landscape and things like that. It's interesting you mentioned that, Joe, because I was actually kind of thinking it might have been, but you just confirmed it for me. And as you can probably guess, I'm not too big of a fan of the political compass because, well, there's still an assumption about the left and the right, which, again, like, I, like I'll say it again, um, I, I, think, I think it's a false dichotomy, and I think it's just kind of made up and phony because the left and the right are both authoritarian. And for anybody who cares about freedom in any sense – which uh let's say the the uh <laughs> Shane, like like we can say like the libertarian um rainbow so to speak in some sense um yeah i mean pretty much anybody who's anti-authoritarian anti-status and very much any flavor shape or form uh i would even say maybe even some of the anti-propertarian folks even though they may not necessarily be great on their argumentation ethics um mean well at least in some sense uh, so like, like I think anybody who cares about freedom really can't really fall into left and right because if if I'm right that left and right are are authoritarian, then then they're kind of like right, and enemy, that would so. and, and that would and that would I guess imply that freedom then is somewhere in the middle of fascism and communism, and that's right, not, or uh, that's or even or even not the case, <laughs> right? Or even if it wasn't those two specifically, like like some sort of freedom is like a compromise between different competing authoritarian flavors of the month. So, oh well, this month we get Scandinavian socialism, and then the other month we get um we 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 get a nice you know right wing moderate corporatism. So it's not quite fascism, but it's the nice comfy one where you know there'll be the equal opportunity uh, policies where we don't discriminate based on you know race, sex, ethnicity and something else but you know what if you don't obey your boss and do what the hell he says and toe the party line and play office politics like i've been doing then you can go find some other work kid and good luck paying your fucking bills you know uh because of course barriers to entry for entrepreneurs <laughs> you know how high those can be depending on the line of work you're trying to do so that's kind of where i'm kind of getting at is that the flavors of the month keep changing in terms of what the um different competing authoritarian flavors sometimes it's even a three-way and those are particularly fun um but why i'm i'm just simply saying that look anybody who cares about about liberty in any real sense can subscribe to any of the different uh strategies or or uh truly ideological persuasions of one flavor or another uh provide that of course that they kind of view the state as being evil um, because, and then at that point, then people can debate about, well, is, is the state a necessary evil? Is the state an unnecessary evil? Maybe perhaps it's like an optional evil, like, I don't know, getting chlamydia or something. Um, you know, that, that, that's kind of where I'm more coming at it from. <laughs> it's, um, I, I understand what you're saying. And that would be like all encompassing, like, um, basically the bottom area. Um, but in that, in talking with the people that I know, and there's not very many of them who are, are anti-authoritarian 
that I can really identify that are extreme enough that I can kind of pick their brain and see how what they're thinking. Those on the left that are really social, um, that's what kind of makes that's kind of their preference. Okay, that's that's what they uh, if they have their choice to be immersed in a social setting or being out by themselves, they're more comfortable in social setting. Um, the the more you get over towards the individualists, um, they're more they they prefer more uh, being more of an individual. Um, it's and another way I've kind of found to define these uh, people on the right. Well, people who are more individual will prefer more individual constructs. Um, like maybe, uh, well, like, uh, defense. They'll, they may buy a gun and they'll be get good with the skills of using a gun to protect themselves. They take basically security as an individual construct. Um, well, okay, but hold on. Let me let me just jump in for a second. Well, then by that reasoning, then only people who are lefties would ever form militias. <laughs> you see yeah, the problem. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely I, I right. Don't, I don't mean to sound like an asshole. I'm just saying if if I'm going to take you seriously with your line of reasoning, then and using your the context of your example, like self defense and all that. You're basically saying right-wing people would never form militias ever because they're so individual. Really, more you're making them sound more like they're. Don't they rely on the cops for a lot, or don't they, you know, praise the cops for defense too? Yes, 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 that's true, Shane. But hold on, I want to be very precise about this, and I want to be fair to Joe. Okay, Joe, if I'm using your line of reasoning correctly, and correct me if I I don't want to misrepresent anything. If I'm going off what you're saying using the context of your type of example, then what you're kind of implying then is that right-wing people would never form militias ever and only lefty people would ever form militias ever uh, or at least be more likely to in terms of their preferences and so forth. Um, but actually, it's almost a little bit worse than that. You're almost making it sound in in one sense like like right-wing people are introverts and that lefties are extroverts. And because they're extroverts, therefore, they're more like uh, socially uh, – I don't know, more likely, you know, do a beer bong at a, uh, <laughs> I know I'm sounding like the, like a little bit like a comedian tonight. I don't know. It's, I guess, the mood I'm in. But it sounds like more like lefties would be more like doing like a beer bong, whereas like the right wingers would be like, you know, nursing a scotch, you know, late night at a bar, at like some out of the sideway bar where they can kind of be alone by themselves, sort of. I mean, that's what you're kind of making it sound like. Now, is that oh. a fair, now, is that a fair descriptor of what you're getting at, sort of? Well, what I'm trying to say is, is people's preferences, they vary. And the amount of, uh, kind of like their tendencies to, to lean towards individualism, uh, there are those people. That's reality. And there are people who tend to lean more towards social. And I think that's reality. That's kind of where I'm, I'm basing some of that off of. I'm not saying that, that there's the same people. All across that, it's not the same. People have different preferences. Okay. And so what, what you're seeing is a split in preferences. I think even in Second Realm, you would see these preferences. Even if every, after all the building and everything, I think you would still see preferences of people um, more comfortable uh, on an individual basis. And you'd see um, some people more, who are more comfortable in social settings. Right, and then the reason for that, yes, you're you're absolutely correct, and the reason for that is that there will always be a market demand for that kind of thing, right? Uh, not everyone wants a bustling, thriving, 
uh, figurative or literal underground market, like if there was a way to bring into the real, like IRL, uh, like an Aurora or, or any of these other, or a Hardyville or any of these other kind of, uh, fictional descriptors of what would basically be underground markets of one kind or another, where it's, it's almost like something you'd see out of like, uh, like an Indian city or something where it's like a bustling, almost like a farmer's market type thing. Uh, at least in some sense, that it would be more like outposts. Like you have to kind of go out of your way to go find like one guy and then you would trade with him and then you would go and then go find a different guy and you'd be basically be hot. And as the customer, you'd basically be kind of hop, skip, jumping around the different outposts, the different merchants, if you will. Hell, they would probably be traveling merchants. And Shane, you were kind of mentioning that a little bit ago, a little bit ago. The outpost would probably be the different van nomads trading and such. Right, right, and to and to uh, to jump in on this, uh, I'm thinking about myself personally. Uh, you know, in the second realm context, I mean, what would I, what would I prefer? Um, and I, 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 I think I'd prefer both at times. Um, there are times I want to be in, you know, isolation, and there are times when, you know, uh, it's nice to, uh, you know, be with other people. So, um, so yeah, you know, there there might be preferences, but I don't think they're always going to be, you know, fluid and consistent. Um, right. So. Yeah, and and you know, I'm I'm obviously I'm going to be a little bit hard-nosed about this one, but you know, my preference obviously is for the second realm, the actual second realm, not necessarily the outpost. I understand that there is a market demand for that and that's good and it does have its advantages. However, there's one very important thing that's actually missing and it's the entire notion of mutual aid. I'm not saying the different outposts wouldn't help each other when they could, but let's be honest, if they're outposts, it's going to be very much catch as catch can at least in some sense. And even if they were, like, let's say physically, like, 10 miles away from each other or something, or, um, you know, yeah, they can help each other, I guess, but there, because of there's a distance, whether physically or in some other context, um, you know, there's not exactly going to be a lot of help if, like, say, the Bludge decide to take out one or two or five of the outposts. And, and would you the, still, would you still have that same second realm culture too in the outposts or would that be relegated to, I guess, more kind of the social construct variety? It's mm. possible. It's, that's an interesting question. It's possible, but I want to give Joe a kind of a fair shot here. Let's just assume that the culture would be the same, more or less, or at least with certain varieties. I'm saying that even if the culture wasn't an issue here, um, I still think the mutual aid angle is something to not be ignored because when you're in the second realm, and let's say uh, the Bludge decided to do a raid. Well, because everything is done correctly, or at least it's supposed to be, like everybody can be evacuated, kind of like what happened in in that in the Longside Night, like with Aurora. Everybody got evacuated. All the merchants got out. People had enough time. Like everything was smooth as ice. You know, um, with your outposts, I guess something could be arranged between like neighbors or something or different merchants. But that's no Second guarantee of anything. Underground Railroad. Connecting, yeah, connecting I, the different outposts. <laughs> I would say in terms of mutual aid, whether it's an emergency situation like evacuating the customers and the merchants, or it's more of a day-to-day thing like, hey, do you mind if I you know, use some spare cash or something, or, or whatever like normal favors would be, I think it would be a lot easier going the more, what well, according to this diagram, would be more, more the collective approach personally. Um, I think the outpost does have some advantages, I think mobility and a few other things are there, but the mutual aid, I mean, Joe, unless you would like to speak to that, I, I don't see the, I don't see a lot of mutual aid going on if people are going to basically be, uh, every man is an island. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I was, I was kind of looking for you. I mean, you're the guy who's seeing second realm as the social construct. And, uh, 
I don't have access to people who would necessarily see it that way. So it's definitely good that I get feedback from you on this because it's, it's hard for me to step into your position. I mean, you see things like this, that, that you see things differently than I do. And, uh, not that I'm saying right or wrong. It's just, you see things very different. Um, basically the outposts have, they both have strengths and weaknesses. And kind of the thing with the outposts is there's not this social construct. So you don't end up with a lot of people at one spot at one time. I mean, uh, basically individual to individual exchange, you're looking at two people, uh, exchanging, uh, products or services just between two people. Um, there's not, um, there's not a lot of vulnerability for, uh, I guess like the bludgies would basically, um, what's worth their time going after a couple people or going after 200 people. It, it's kind of a, a different scale of, uh, a priority there. Right. And, and, uh, and plus to it, the, the only possible way that the state would find out in, in a transaction between two individuals is if one of them told the state. Um, so as, as long yeah. as you're trading with the right people, then you, sh- you shouldn't have to worry about that. But point taken. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and to use more of a historical example, and and yes, I guess you could say I'm kind of arguing one side of this because I am being biased here, but I still want to be fair about it. Uh, you know, Randy Weaver, when he was being uh, basically set up by the feds and all that, I guess maybe he arguably could have been conceived as an outpost in some sense when he was uh, doing whatever the hell. Um, and yeah, that didn't necessarily keep him safe. Again, it's not like there would be any guarantees with the second realm either because security has to be good. But what I am saying is that, you know, the even the Bludge raided like a nightclub that was run by at least a portion of the second realm. You know, they can't grab literally everybody. Worst case scenario, maybe they grab one or two people or something. Um, but everyone else can get evacuated and, and, and whatever else. There's at least a, a, a some degree of anonymity going on there, at least some degree, as opposed to an outpost where it's like, hey, there's Joe Schmo, you know, you know, basically kill his kid, shoot his wife in the head, and, you know, go grab him kind of thing. Um, again, not saying that would happen to everybody. It's just, I mean, again, to go more to fiction instead of real life, I mean, I guess what was in, like, James Wesley Rawls's first Patriots novel I guess would be closer to like more the outpost concept where it was like, like people who band banded together in like the one homestead. And then they were trading with some of the other people who were also in the other homesteads after the big socioeconomic collapse happened. I mean, that wasn't really a second realm really so much because it was more just kind of a disaster scenario after the fact, Oh, we need to use, you know, 22s as basically ballistic wampum uh, because, well, we didn't fucking bother setting stuff up ahead of time. We were just, preparing for the apocalypse pretty much and now it's post-apocalyptic now we actually find ourselves in the shit and now we just have to basically survive um instead of this instead of like the second realm where it's like well even if everything doesn't go to shit or worse everything continues on as it has been which is oh wait that's our situation uh then maybe we should just go ahead and like you know carpe diem and all that and like build something anyway and um you know, and I, I, I think there's that. I mean, me personally, I'm not so much concerned about social contracts of one uh, social constructs of one flavor or another. I'm more concerned with people actually like going and doing things. I'm more concerned about the direct action here. So whether the direct action takes the form of using smartphones to like digitally lock and unlock, well, door locks, that would be one part of it. 
you know, that anonymized remote controlled access control, I think is rather important, whichever form that takes, because the next evolutionary step beyond that is, of course, the remote controlled, um, you know, we- you know, weapon, de- you know, defense systems, like, re- like remotely accessing gun turrets as one type of example. It's stuff like that that I'm more concerned with. I don't personally care whether people are grouped together physically in one space and they have a rave or they make a lot of noise in, like, let's say, an abandoned warehouse that might upset the bludge if somebody called them. Or they're doing more like an outpost model where it's like, you have family A at, you know, this homestead and family B at a different homestead. And maybe they, like, meet at a crossroads and trade, you know, raw milk for bullets or something. I don't personally care. I don't even think that's necessarily important with the social, with the, whatever the construct is. I'm, I think I'm more concerned about what the actual action is and how people are keeping themselves safe in some sense from the bludge while they're conducting their trades or whatever else they're doing. You know, even if it's something like prostitution. So yeah, Joe, before I, so, before I jumped in to interrupt you, you were talking about pri- uh, the priorities, you know, what would the bludge, what would the bludge, you know, rather go after, you know, uh, you know, one off, uh, you know, one on one, one off trade. Or would they rather go after a, I guess, uh, you know, probably flourishing Agora, uh, you know, untaxed, unregulated, all that sort of stuff. So, um, I, I, you know, prior- priorities, sure, I-, I could see that. But yeah, you're about to step in, so go ahead. Oh, I mean, and even if you scaled it up, um, mutual aid, I mean, even if you scaled that up to the nation state level, um, if you were still going status against anti-status on a nation state level, I mean, even mutual aid doesn't guarantee um, a good outcome there, even if you grow your social construct to a point that it is a relatively large size. Um, and really, if you look at the battlefield now, the more people you get in a confined space with the kind of weaponry that's available now, that's it's... Uh, it's it just creates a kill box, man. It, uh, and I, I'm not saying that you couldn't make it happen, uh, and you couldn't make it happen on certain scales, you know, like 150 people or something. Uh, maybe you could um, have some kind of way out. I'm I'm not sure. Um, the technology in its current state is is it's it's really difficult. Uh, situation out there. Um, I don't know if you fellas saw Enemy of the State. Um, you mean the you mean the Will S- Hold on, you mean the Will Smith and Gene Hackman movie? Right, where they were videotaping. They could uh, they basically put a satellite over. They could see what car was traveling where at what time. They could run it forward or backwards and see where right. everything. Um, now that technology was pretty old when they made that show. And right, and it's more advanced and it's more advanced now, yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking um, even if even if you had a, a fairly large group and y'all jumped in vehicles and y'all went different ways, um, I'm not saying this is so, but there's a very good possibility that they can they can forward or reverse imagery of that area and find out where everybody goes and not and not everyone in the second round will be well versed in security culture or you know be able to you know lose somebody um you know that's why the that's why the proxy merchants exist uh so uh yeah not everyone would be extremely well versed in security culture obviously there's a baseline right 
uh, you know, if you're going to be in second realms where, you know, things are going to be illegal, uh, you've got to take some precautions. But, um, but yeah, a lot of these folks wouldn't be specialized either. So I, I think you're, if, I, if I'm understanding, if I'm understanding you correctly, then, Joe, um, your main concern with the social construct version of the second realm is the fact that it's more uh, vulnerable to the state and that uh, there's also another angle that we talked about last night um, that, um, that there's the infiltration angle, too. So there's the, the, the harassment by the state and all the terrible things that they could do, uh, and then the infiltration as well. Yeah, it's um, if, if you have a lot of people together and they can visually see each other and, and things like this, it's a little bit easier to gather, maybe gather more information from a single source. Um, I don't know how much of an advantage or disadvantage that that becomes. Um, maybe Kyle can, or yeah, maybe Kyle can can think of it, and and maybe shed some light on his thoughts about infiltration. Um, but also just in in social constructs, um, what happens is a lot of time people who are, who depend, well, they kind of they kind of create a dependence on the social construct. And so that makes it a little bit more rigid, and it, it's um, it's very difficult to try and guard against infiltration uh, from a lot of different angles, especially kind of the more uh, interface these social constructs get with maybe some first realm constructs like uh, the internet and possibly communications, transmissions, all of it. It's uh, all these different things that, that kind of mesh together. It, uh, it leads to, to kind of some possibilities of tracking, infiltration, recording, all that stuff that, that comes from the state. Right, right. So, so, so Kyle, um, I guess I'll, I'll pose this question for you then. Um, you know, as... Um, as far as you know, the second realm, kind of the social construct version, the, the kind of what you're, what you're, what you prefer. Um, how susceptible do you think that is to infiltration from um, the bludgies or from, uh, you know, or, or by a, you know private coerce, private coercers? I mean, do, do you do you do you um, do you have any concerns about that? Do you share Joe's concern? Oh, I share the concern about you know the evils he's kind of mentioning. I just I just think the um, I, I just think you know I, I don't really believe in the concept of giving undue uh, power and influence to where there is none. So I'm glad Joe brought up brought up that stuff because he's given me ideas for at least three articles. So first of all, thank you for inspiring me because you've given me something to rebut. So that's first thing. And I'm not being sarcastic. I really do thank you for that. Let me very briefly address what he was getting at first. The NSA does not, contrary to the whole information fusion center debacle because of the war on terror, the NSA actually does not share intelligence information with local Leos. It's the Leos, the Bludge, those are the guys you have to worry about if, say, you're trading pot for baseball cards or whatever the hell. Um, that's the first thing to keep in mind. The NSA and whomever is doing the spying is not actually – the, the cops that are actually going to come and try and slap the cuffs on you because they actually don't talk to each other. Actually, even yeah, now, the, even the, the post nine eleven era, they don't. They still don't. Thankfully, thankfully, believe me, I'm glad they don't. 
Bandai probably can even admit to the local Leos that they spot that they spy because I actually had a FOIA request back in like 2013, and I was like, I want to, yeah. I want you know, all inf-. they said we cannot confirm or deny, and they couldn't just tell you know local Leo that some some schmuck on the streets from a small police mm-hmm. department. Um, but yeah, yeah. Go ahead. yeah. So that's thing number one that's actually in our favor is that the NSA and don't get me wrong. They are creepy. It's wrong. It's a violation of privacy. I've written a damn book on it. Okay. I know what I'm talking about. They do not, do not, and will not. They won't even work with highway patrol for Christ's sakes of any of these 50 overblown state governments. They will not do it because they're a bunch of feds. Um, the NSA won't even work with a lot of the other feds either. So you don't have to worry about like the FBI going tap, tap, tap. Well, sir, we heard that um, the NSA told us you were having some discussions about having some. They don't do that. The only reason the the bludge would actually do that is because they actually saw you. I don't know, weaving with your car back and forth in lane. Well, sir, I'm pulling you. NSA had nothing to do with it. Now, that's a good thing because it works in our favor because they're compartmentalized being the key concept here. If they weren't compartmentalized, then yes, Joe, I would agree with you. However, that is not the case last time I checked at all. So first, that's the first thing that helps us. Second thing that helps us is that in terms of uh, different activist groups of one kind or another, or shall we say people who practice direct action getting infiltrated by God only knows whom the fuck ever, uh, first off, most of the collective movementists of any kind don't practice security culture. Again, that was like a major chapter in my last book. I know what I am talking about. I have documented at length whether it was those assholes on the board of directors for Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership who completely tanked their organization by selling out their membership lists to God only knows whom the hell ever it was, or many other examples I listed at length, and I would love for you to read it because it's some really awful history that is documented, but it wasn't assembled all in one place before, which is what I did. Um, the reason you have infiltration is because – Members of whatever organizations or groups or movements they're doing betray their own people. That is a fucking fact. You don't need a government to actually necessarily do it. If anything, the government agents come in after the fact because somebody turned tailcoat that was originally a member of whatever the hell, environmentalist group or militia unit or whatever the fuck. That's the, that's the second thing I want to say is if, if anybody was bothered practicing security culture, the risk of infiltration would pretty much go down to maybe 1%. Maybe. Probably closer to like point zero point something. And I'm not joking. The reason people p- become political prisoners in this country, the reason why uh, there are uh, people get in trouble or they get doxxed or all sorts of other evils is because they are not taking their privacy seriously. People can talk a good game about it. I should, don't get me wrong, I do too. But they don't actually do it. They're not actually practicing home hardening. They're not actually driving an inconspicuous car. They're not actually, well, hell, the more advanced stuff would be like paper tripping. Any one of these are obviously different episodes, different topics for another time. What I'm simply saying is they're not doing it. So it's kind of like, I think analogously what I'm trying to say is that it's kind of like a guy who says, I want to build a solid and sturdy house, and then he builds his fucking foundation for his house on sand. And then his house blows over, and then we're, and the rest of us third parties are all expected to feel sorry for this schmuck? Like, I'm sorry he got hurt, but he's a dumb shit. He shouldn't have built what was supposed to be the strong foundation for his house on sand. 
That's the equivalent of what I'm saying here about, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do direct action or I'm going to be an activist or I'm going to go do whatever the hell. Okay, fine, but you have to practice security culture. Even like the really hardcore activists who uh, would be or, – or at least people doing really dangerous stuff or even somewhat risky things like, um, like some of the black block kids. Uh, whether you like them or not is immaterial, but even many of them have been saying in their own literature that I've read and mentioned before on other episodes and stuff I've done that – and articles and such that even they're saying we need to practice security culture. Otherwise, our, blo- our black blocks are going to get infiltrated by cops that have been caught. Like what happened in um, Ontario, Canada several years back. If you remember, there's even footage of it, which is great. The three burly guys totally don't look like black block kids. And they're like, they're not chanting. They're not doing typical black block stuff, but they were actually surveillancing everybody. It was a huge scandal when it broke. I remember that. Um, Buddy might actually worked on it. Uh, Sorry for another time. It was interesting, though, that they are very sensitive to that kind of thing. And the, and the way to really kind of mitigate the risk or pretty much almost eradicate it is just practice good security culture. Like take your privacy seriously and you can basically kind of get rid of most of this stuff. So that's the second thing I want to say. Third thing I want to say, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to take up so much airtime with this, but this is worth mentioning. I think is that don't think of the second realm as a second realm. Think of it more like second realms, plural. This is a very important distinction because, Joe, I think you mentioned originally something about uh, the second realm, like what if it grew to like the, the uh, like a, in terms of scalability to like a nation state or something. I would suggest maybe that's not exactly the right it, way it to, wouldn't, to it wouldn't be decentralized it. in that fashion. So it did. Right. To be and maybe. Least, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And maybe that, and to be fair, to be fair to you, Joe, maybe that was a lack of clarification on, and sh- on Shane's and my part when we were doing the Second Realm series, perhaps. And if that's the case, I will personally apologize. So let me clarify here. It's better to think of the Second Realm as a series, a multiplicity, a, a, a free market selection of Second Realms, plural. So for example, you can have a Second Realm in Philadelphia, a Second Realm in Austin, a Second Realm in different areas. But wait, not just one limited to any one of these cities, you can have multiple ones. So maybe you can have one in South Austin and another one in Cedar Park or Round Rock or to go to Philadelphia you can, or, or any place else. You can have Second Realms just dotted all over the place. So it's more better to think of Second Realms, uh, plural, as like more like a distributed network. So even if the Bludge, for instance, raided a particular second realm, which let's say hypothetically was a nightclub uh, somewhere, yeah, they may have taken out, they may have raided the place, they may have taken some stuff, maybe let's say most of the people got evacuated, one or two people got thrown in the slammer, but then those people could like then go to another second realm and kind of regroup there and be safe there. So it's it's probably maybe better to I don't want to say necessarily a network of safe houses because that's a little bit of a bastardization, but it's probably better to think of it not as one big monolithic thing. So again, um, you know, I wouldn't really worry too much about the NSA spying on everybody. Like, I mean, do what you can, but they don't talk to the Leos anyway, who are going to slap the cuffs on you if at all. Um, and then of course, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's it's just kind of practice good security culture, and that's why multiple second realms. Uh, I mean, that that's kind of the idea. Um, this isn't like one big club at all. This is more a way of describing like a set of relationships that people are having. So there's not necessarily anything uh, bad about your outpost idea. I think 
that will have value, to be perfectly honest. Because I think there are people who, quite frankly, are going to be more, in some sense, introverted. Or, if not introverted, they're going to be probably more, um, like, recluses. Or, no, or, or uh, you know, nomadic. I mean, maybe, uh, you sure. know, I've, I've thought about it, in the, like, uh, you know, like, for... Uh, you know, like permanent versus temporary autonomous zones, you might have, you know, a network of permaculture farms where, you know, van nomads can get their food. Well, I think some something similar could, you know, could be here where there are, you know, obviously, you know, mobi- mobility would be it would be a plus for sure. Um, but even if there were some stationary second realms, I, I think you'd still have, you know, uh, I guess uh, traveling second realmers, uh, you know, around to different ones. Right. And, and let me let me clarify something, too, because in case in case like the listeners think I'm being too harsh or something, let me clarify something. When you have a free market, yes, there's going to be strife in some sense, nonviolently, of course, strife between people when you know whether they're trying to cut a deal, negotiate a deal. Right. Like a certain guy always claims he's big about whether we're trying to negotiate a deal or we're trying to talk to each other or learn from each other or just exchange information ideas or, or whatever we're doing. And you know what? Ideas do need to be tested. Ideas need to be not be put in a glass box, but actually have other people examine them and like, hey, what did you think about this and all that, which is which is I understand is what you're doing. And I think, Joe, your feedback is really that that market feedback because markets relied on feedback. They require, you know, it's it's you know, without that, we would just be a bureaucracy, right? (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's or at least in some sense or something arbitrary. Right. But an actual market, it's a two way street. It has to be um, because otherwise there's no there's no possibility for creative destruction, as the Austrian economists have taught us about. Um, you know, w- without that, you can't call it a market. It would be something else. It could be a cult, but it wouldn't be a market. And so, uh, Joe, I really want to thank you for really kind of, you know, bringing this up. So if it sounds like I'm being too harsh, please don't take it that way. It's just you've mentioned some things that maybe Shane and I should have clarified earlier, but uh, but this is definitely at least at least it's, Shane, right? It's better to do it later, right? Yeah, you know, sooner, better late than never, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's not like we could have um, you know done a private series for Joe and then had him on during the actual series because uh, he actually found out about it through the series. So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, there there is that, there is that. Um, so we're about we're about an, uh, an hour in. I guess there were some other. Uh, some other ideas that uh, um, that that you uh, I guess develop in some of your uh, some of your comments. Did you want to to speak about any of those, like uh, like the, your uh, cold trading IG idea, Joe, or anything else? Um, I wanted to kind of address those three three topics that Kyle had. Go for it. And I, this is just kind of uh, I don't know, maybe uh, just things to think about. Um, not necessarily anything whole cloth or or anything like that, but just things to think about. Um, I do agree that, that law enforcement officers just basically as they are, wouldn't have the capacity to kind of, um, track and do all these other things that, that would, would be needed to be a real problem for second realm, uh, as far as social construct. But I think what we'd see is eventually they would do something like a, a RICO thing where they get multiple agencies involved and they start actually, uh, being aggressive about going after, especially once you start seeing what will happen is, is as the second realm rises, the tax base will start to get undermined. And so people will start to be more after organizations that are, aren't supporting uh, the nation state. And what will happen is as the nation state starts to collapse from uh, its own weight, the, they'll start to push, push for more uh, confiscating more wealth and, 
as Second Realm is on the way up, the nation state will really try to go after the wealth of the Second Realm. Um, so it may start out something like a RICO Act, uh, the RICO angle, but they would rename it something else. They might even push it under national security. And I think there's a large possibility for maybe not going on past observations of the way these, of the way the state, um, basically approaches these things, because I think the state can modify the way they operate and actually use the technology out there to, um, to get aggressive, basically. Um, so that's kind of something to look for on, on the first, uh, I don't necessarily know if we can drive forward looking basically what we've seen in the past on that one. Um, the second point, I completely agree about practicing security culture. I think that would be really important um, for like the social constructs of the second realm um, and taking privacy seriously. I mean, that's that would kind of have to be the default. Um, yep. I, I don't know, since everybody has different preferences and different capabilities, different skill sets, I see some people being better at this than others. Um, that's great for the people who have the skill sets to do this, but um, I think if you... I, I'm not sure how to solve the problem of, let's say, people don't, don't have a preference to try and, and engage in, in a high degree of of security culture. Um, the preference is a problem, number one. And then um, I'm not being ugly towards some people, but just there's a percentage of the population that may want to be in the second realm and, and they may not have the intelligence to bring uh, a security culture to a point where uh, it could accurately, it, it could successfully um, secure itself from the, from the state. Um, that's another problem. I'm not saying this is anything against a social construct. I'm just saying these are, are maybe some issues you run into along the way. Um, the third point, um, when I was kind of talking about the scalability and, and bringing the social construct of the second realm into something like the nation state, that was only in reference to mutual mutual aid. That's the only context I was looking at. I wasn't doing anything else but saying that mutual aid, even if you did it at a nation state level, that there would still be problems with it. Um, I wasn't taking it into the, I wasn't thinking of, of it as just basically a unified uh, second realm. And I do like the idea of the plural realms, the having multiple realms in different places. I, I think that's how, and I think that is and how, uh, it would come about, um, I think, as the social constructs would be kind of uh, disassociated. And that kind of helps your security uh, until everything gets interconnected. Um, that's, um, yeah, I can definitely see multiple uh, second realm areas. That's, uh, that's kind of what I had on those three points. All right. Just, just some things to think about. All right. Very good, very good. Kyle, uh, uh, got, got a response or anything? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let old man Rayo kind of respond to that one. There's one paragraph. I'll, I'll be quick about it. This is what old man Rayo said. I think it was back in the 60s. Quote, the bad guys may be trying harder, but we are getting better at hiding much faster than they are getting better at seeking. It's amusing to read letters from people, conventional dwellers mostly, who delight in telling the new ones about all the things Big Brother will do to stop them unless they join a political crusade or something. Big Brother already has 60 million laws and regulations or so. If all laws were consistently enforced, almost every man, woman, and child would be in prison for one or more violations. But Big Brother can only extort so much taxes to hire bludge and build spy devices. And taxes are already to or beyond the point of diminishing returns. Each additional rule to be enforced means existing rules get enforced less. Close quote. So that was old man Rayo. Um, that, that's, that's pretty much my rebuttal. I'm going to let the old man do it for me. So, um, yeah, the, the law of diminishing returns. So yes, even if the, uh, even, even if the second Realmer started to be like public enemy number one because some dickshit mayor decided to make a public campaign about it, we're going to root out these underground traders with their illegal contraband and prostitutes or whatever the fuck. It's like, well, that's nice. Um, yeah, I, I, I think economics will win out in the end, not, not brute force, because that's, that's pretty much how the state's going to collapse eventually. Is It's not just because of the evils of central banking and how that basically destroys wealth and such. It's, it's also just because... I mean, you can only parasite so much, right? Because the state doesn't create any wealth, right? It, it, the only reason it can function is because it steals so much. Um, and I, I think kind of the same thing here, too. Um, once the second realm would be, excuse me, rephrase, once the second realms are profitable enough to actually have so, any sort of real infrastructure, uh, even more physically and such, even if some, you know, bludge decided to go on a big campaign and we're going to root out these people. It's like, really? What resources do you have to even try and make that happen? I'm not even saying that they would they wouldn't be at least minorly successful with. Oh, look, we found the newest version of Russ Ulbrich. Look, we're going to throw him in this slammer for 800 million years. And they very well may do that. They probably will, like the Mafia, take one guy and make an example out of him. Well, that's just dandy. And you know what? I feel sorry for that guy becoming the newest political prisoner. But you know what? They can't grab everybody. There just simply ain't enough jail cells to put several million people in. I mean, you, they literally they literally cannot do it. And that, that's just, that's just the space. I'm not even getting to the prison overcrowding issue. Even if they built new prisons, even if they did the so-called private, really corporate prisons, they simply cannot do it. There is not, it's not even just an issue of space. There's not enough money to feed the prisoners. You can't have all of them like, you know, clean license plates or something or whatever the hell the so-called prison jobs are. It's an issue of economics. So, yes, even by the time the multiple second realms are profitable enough, even if some politician and, and district attorney or God only knows what fucking title they're going by this week decide to basically, we're going to root out this, 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 this den of iniquity that is, you know, basically um, that, that's corrupting the moral fiber of our youth or something. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you and what fucking army or police department or yeah. infiltrating <laughs> spies? Come and get all of them, bud. Have fun. <laughs> Try. Yeah. No, no, no. Seriously. Bring it on. How, how many spies you got? What is it? 15, 20? Oh, you have three. You have three narcs. Wow. How many people do we got? At least thousands, hundred thousands. I mean, however big, I mean, whatever, whatever point it is. Yeah. Good luck. Maybe you'll grab. And to be fair, maybe they will grab a couple people. Maybe somebody 
will make a mistake um, and they won't use their pseudonym or whatever the issue is. And the bludge will go, hi, kid. I got, you know, you know, slap that, you know, slap those cuffs on, throw them in the paddy wagon because I got you with, you know, uh, you know, I got you with a legal contraband with intent to distribute into the thing you go. And maybe that will happen to some people. I'm not saying it won't. It probably will. But so fucking what? At, in the end, economics will, will win out and it won't be an issue of brute force or politics or let's make everybody feel good. No, it's not. I think economics will win out in the end once or the, actually, Shane, you told me once there was about that guy you knew that the free market will kill the state when it's ready. Yeah, it's, it's Ben Stone. Yeah, that was Ben Stone. And that's mm -hmm. absolutely right. You know, I mean, pretty much I mean, pretty much all you need for the state to collapse is enough pissed off people. And then, you know, economics will do the rest. You don't even necessarily need a so-called revolution. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I guess, um, you know, I really, really enjoyed the discussion. Uh, I think we we made a lot of progress in, in kind of uh, you know developing developing these uh, developing these realms and also just uh, you know further considerations that uh, you know I, I think are, are, are worthy of uh, of considering. So, um, Joe, were there any other closing thoughts that you had? I think probably the the worst model as far as uh, the status model goes against, and and I do agree completely. Uh, the economy model works out in the long run. Um, it basically wins. Um, the theory of subjective value will eventually overcome statism. Uh, it will eventually, but we'll be dragged into the social part of this over and over and over. I don't see any way about that. Um, kind of the, the worst case scenario that, that I can kind of have you look at is, um, is kind of Russia and the Stalin era. And the KB, KBD, uh, the police force at that time, they weren't worried about putting people in prison. They would just take them out and eliminate them. Um, so it's it, that was actually a fairly efficient way to take out their opposing factions. Um, they were successful at that. Uh, they might, might not have been successful at economic principles, but as far as, as having the first realm uh, nullify any second realm. They were very proficient at that. Um, I don't so know. If at, I don't know if we're at the point yet, though, um, politically, where the state could just you know start offing people without a trial. Um, now, you know, there are a lot of you know really bastard authoritarians out there. Sure, you know, on, on the left and the right, you know, both you know the uh, the, the, the parasites and also the uh, um, the, uh, the the producers. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think we're at that point yet where they can just start dragging people unless they do. Hey, they are there are black sites, right? So I guess maybe they uh, you know do it do it covertly. Uh, I guess that that'd probably be the, uh, the the best way to do it PR wise. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't say say we're there yet. I say it's definitely a place we could be. And even when you get to that point, I mean, even if they were doing some of it now, we might not know about it. Um, and that's kind of a problem. Uh, because the entire propaganda machine is, is out there. I mean, we're better informed now because we have sources like this. Um, but it is the worst case scenario that that's not necessarily the scenario to use, but it's just something sure, to be sure. aware of. And, 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 one, and one other yeah. thing too, if that really was starting to happen, um, word would spread. And at that point, um, then, you know, maybe, maybe it would be, uh, you know, if it's a life and death situation, maybe at that point it's not, uh, you know, okay, go ahead and remotely, uh, you know, activate those, uh, those turrets or those, uh, you know, whatever, whatever defenses, uh, you know, maybe it's time to start shooting back. 
Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But if it's if the life and death situation, um, then, uh, then, then it escalate the, the second realm too. Because uh, that's a violation of their autonomy. And, uh, you know, self-defense is obviously important. Yeah, and that's, that's also something else is the state is very proficient in electronic warfare. I mean, they've been doing it for, you know, a little while now. So they're, they're very good at, at about electronics. Um, and even to kind of go against that, you'd have to harden everything electronically that you had. And that's, uh, that's not necessarily easy to do. Um, Hey, we've got our crypto anarchists, man. You don't don't underestimate them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let me. Yeah, if you don't mind, let me just mention something. You know, if if it really did come down to a use of force issue and really not much of anything else, so let's just hypothetically say maybe I really was wrong. Maybe economics has nothing to do with this, and maybe maybe the real uh, achievement of freedom will be by by force of arms. If that is indeed the case, which I don't really subscribe to, but let's just go ahead and say it is. Um, then what would probably happen is that this would be like the Vietnam War, except with the uh, technological rules reversed. So basically, I think you can kind of guess who would win on that one, pretty much all other factors being equal. And that's before you consider other advantages, such as whether it would be the jackals or the or just assassination markets more generally, or even the cons of vigilantism more generally. Um I mean, it's it's you know, I, I really don't and this see, this is where I really I don't like this type of argument that many of the ANCAPs make that uh, the state is all-powerful. And even some other types of anarchists have said this, too. Like, the state is all-powerful thing, we can never fight against it. Um, no. They're not that good at what they do. Yes, they may have some... Uh, not even all of them. I just put out a post on Steam about this, like, yesterday or today. I can't remember which one. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at it. Uh, yeah, Shane, yeah, you think like so, I Something like, uh, you know, dealing with the omniscience of state or something. It was one of, uh, you know, one of uh, Rayo's quotes, obviously, that sparked it. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I, I mean, yes. I mean, yes. The state likes to likes to think itself likes to think of itself as omniscient, as omnipotent, basically as being God, essentially like like a deity. Um, but it's not. It's just composed of individuals who believe in the same awful superstition, which is, of course, the entire notion of authority, which, as Larkin Roses mentioned, is the most dangerous superstition. That being said, of course you don't want to underestimate them. Of course they can kill you over a parking ticket, as Lou Rockwell and others have mentioned. Of course, I'm not ignoring that. I just don't believe in this concept that the state is all-powerful. They're not. Um, they can be defeated. Uh, in fact, the Texas Revolution of uh, 1835 and 36 kind of showed you can totally take out a state, provided that you have enough uh, – provided that you have enough you know, wherewithal and enough people behind it and so forth. I mean, I mean if it was true – that the state was this omniscient, all-powerful thing that we can't ever fight or whatever, uh, tech, you know, technological status, you know, be be irrelevant or just damned or otherwise not important, then I guess Sam Houston and uh, everybody else who and the Tejanos, who are the local natives here in Texas and so forth, would never have been able to take out Santa Ana's Mexican, um, <laughs> you know, Mexican forces after he abolished the Mexican uh, Federal Congress, capped the state militias and did and basically might as well have suspended the Mexican Constitution of 1824, which basically eventually led to the massacre at Zacatecas, which nobody likes to talk about because we'll all talk about the Alamo. We won't ever talk about what happened at Zacatecas, which was the real war crime because everybody got murdered there. So it's kind of like, no, the state is not all-powerful. Yes, they can rape, kill, pillage, and even commit genocide. Sure. I mean, there was all, I mean, go to the not-so-civil war. Yeah, there was Sherman's March of the Sea. Yeah, he murdered people, just like Santa Ana did at Zacatecas. Yeah, uh-huh, sure. I'm not ignoring any of that. 
But you know what? They're human beings. They bleed the same. Oh, absolutely. I got no problem with saying that. Uh, I, I agree with most of that. Uh, in fact, you know, if you take all the basically uh, armed enforcement wing of the government, you know, their numbers are only about a million. And if you take uh, basically uh, gun owners across the nation, there's like 30 million. So even to start into that direction, you know, it's like 30 to one. I mean, I don't like those. Isn't, isn't there, isn't there some quote about, you know, like the, uh, like, uh, you know, on, like on like the first day of hunting, like there are more, you know, uh, you know, Wisconsinites out with guns than there are, you know, in the military. So like there's some, it's some ridiculous Something, numbers. something like that. But I, I think, I think it's not even so much, um, the number issue because you also have to factor in kind of the issue about training, which I do think is relevant. But even when you factor that in, I think the most important factor uh, even when you do account for, for training, which would actually reduce the ratio down from 30 to 1, by the way. So that does is in the state's favor a little bit. Um, I would say more because, remember, they kill a lot. So to some degree, the position that the state is omnipotent is, is a little bit stronger on that one very precise point, like the special forces guys and so forth. So if you want to go really like black ops and all that, it's not even so much that. I think the most critical factor is the will to fight. And Americans just don't have it. Even Texans, for the most part. And I know I'm going to get crucified for this, but so be it. And you know what? For the listeners, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Don't say Texas is going to secede. Do it. Yeah, there, and, then we'll, and then we'll see where things are. Seriously, then we'll see where things are at. But Americans and even Texans will not fight for their freedom at yeah. any point. That's at, what at least politics is for. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, basically, political crusading is the mock fighting, essentially. So you know what, people? You want to prove me wrong that Americans or Texans specifically won't fight for their freedom? Then fucking do it already and stop getting mad at me. I'm talking not, not you specifically, Joe, because this has been an issue that's been coming up over the years. Oh, I understand. Stop, it, man. I stop understand getting. It. Yeah. Stop getting mad at me or anybody else for calling you on your horse shit. And it's not just about the political crusading. It's also the collective movementism. Oh, we're going to start a movement to do blah, blah, blah. No, if you're serious about your freedom, use your firearm and stop blaming me for calling you out as hypocrites. Oh, I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. But also in that there's kind of this thing with freedom that, uh, People aren't necessarily willing to fight for their freedom up to the point until they become uncomfortable enough to fight for it. And then you kind of see when they're uncomfortable enough to fight for it that they will start picking up guns and stuff like that. But if they're comfortable, if they're comfortable, you usually don't see that happening. It's, and you know the saddest part? And you know the saddest part about that, Joe, about the uncomfortableness? The closest that that's come to any sort of equivalent, at least on the main, you know, public stage or whatever, was unfortunately the standoff at Malaher a couple years back. That was the closest it came, as far as I'm aware of. And that's sad and pitiful because they were a bunch of political crusaders too. Which, yep. which was like an, that, I mean, that was just, that wasn't just traded by sovereign citizens too. So oh, there was, oh, that, that's kind of its own story, yeah, right, sure. Yeah. But, but, but that, that wasn't just sticking the knife in, that was twisting it. Cause now they're really perverting what what an actual use of force would actually look like and of course the of course the state won on that one i mean nobody gives a shit about public lands e even if you were in favor of that idea which i'm not you know it's not like there's been any real so-called reforms in any sort of political crusading or even collective movementist type setting about oh we got the public lands away from the federal government or whatever that didn't happen either so like there was so much that was lost. It wasn't even a Pyrrhic victory. It was just, it was just like lose, lose. It was like the opposite 
of uh, Charlie Sheen's notion of winning, winning, winning. Well, there was no winning, nothing. What a bunch of people, a bunch of people who otherwise meant well, uh, got slapped with a bunch of felonies. Some people beat the rap, some people didn't. The ones who didn't are now convicted felons, and now the public at large pretty much hates militias even more, or even something close to a militia. So it's it's so the people's willing to fight the government to fight the blue coats. To fight these Tories because, well, they can't because many of them are Tories. Many of them are loyalists. You know, they're not, look, the Americans of today, by and large, in the servile society are more like Europeans. They're not actual Americans. In fact, many of them are actually un-American. You know, I mean, if the founding fathers are around, they'll be rolling around in their graves. And I'm not talking about the American ones. I also mean the Texan founding fathers, too. Can you imagine, you know, can you imagine, <laughs> you know, any of those guys from back then? Even the Tejanos coming back today and looking at how bad even Texas is, never mind anywhere else. I mean, my God, I don't know what I would tell them. It's like, yeah, you got a bunch of limp-wristed, you know, dicks who basically uh, will, will do the little protesting routine. But that's the closest it came. Like what happened at the Capitol here a few months back when there was the guy who had the antique pistol and he sat down on the ground. The blood just lift him off and threw him in the freaking uh, suburban or whatever. You know, the paddy, they're a paddy wagon, essentially. And that was like the closest it came here in Texas. And it's just like, I don't know what else to say. Like, if people are serious, they will make it happen. And it doesn't have to be a use of force issue, it, as is the case with tonight. The second realms, if people are serious, they will make it happen. And Shane, you and I are trying to encourage people to make it happen, at least in terms of building, uh, building second realms and all that, because that, that's more a use of economics and such. Um, but if people are serious, they will do it. And if people are not serious, they will simply not do it. And that's what it's kind of coming down to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I disagree. Can't say I disagree. But, uh, um, Joe, got anything? Oh, no, man. I, that's That was cool. Uh, yeah. That, that was cool. I, yeah. I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm with Kyle there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, uh, we, we've talked about uh, Guerrilla Warfare on this podcast before, and I'm actually reading a book now, Kyle, that uh, you might be interested in. I might, I'll, hey, you know, next month I'll, I'll give it to you and you can read it. Um, it's called Brave New War, uh, The Next Stage of Terrorism and the End of Globalization by John Robb. Uh, really, it, you know, really, really interesting. It kind of the, you know, warfare is changing and it's more, uh, it's not so much about, uh, you know, troops on the ground anymore. It's more so like what the guerrillas are doing in the Middle East is just destroying infrastructure. Like it can spend, uh, you know, $100,000 to take out an oil pipeline and it causes the uh, whatever state it is, you know, Pakistan, Iraq, Afghanistan, costs them millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to fix. Um, so, um, anyways, anyways, I just want to toss that in there. Um, that's, uh, you know, if, if, you know, that scenario did ever come about, it wouldn't necessarily be, um, I don't think the numbers would necessarily matter, uh, a whole lot. Um, I think it would more so just be the, the stri strategies and tactics, uh, kind of like what, uh, Ben Stone talked about in his books, Edition Subversion, uh, and Sabotage. Um, so, uh, was there anything else you want to talk about, Joe, uh, before we, uh, before we close this out? Um, no, we covered a lot of ground today. I think that it was definitely a good discussion. For sure. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And thank, thanks so much for, uh, for, for coming on. I appreciate it. And also thanks for, you know, being interested in the second realm and actually, uh, you know, sitting down to kind of think about this and figure out how it would actually come into fruition and, and, uh, you know, some of the obstacles and hurdles that, uh, that, that may arise. Uh, so yeah, thanks so much for, for, for coming on. And Kyle, do you have anything else, man? I would just simply say that, Again, if people want to make things happen, they will. And obviously, Shane, like 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 the the episodes you've done and and so forth, like you're 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 trying to help people, encourage them to you know like like do things if they seriously care. 
Um, again, I'm not I'm not in the business of encouraging people to do foolish things. I'm simply in the business of of asking them to basically you know put their money where their mouth is. You know, don't and you know honestly, man, there are times where I feel like Cassandra, like where I'm just screaming bloody murder. And either people either are not listening or even when they do, they don't take me seriously. Or even if they do take me seriously, they still don't want to like do anything. And, you know, I- I'm still going to be Cassandra because apparently that, that, that's in some sense who I am. Um, but yeah, I like, I'm not a soldier. I'm not a cop. I mean, my, my use of force is pretty much going to be to the extent of, oh, I'm gone fishing. I killed a fish because I'm hungry. I mean, that's pretty much my extent of use of force, if, 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 that's, if that counts at all. So some people who have kind of accused me of not practicing what I preach, is they're idiots. That's not the point here. The point here is that there's other people who have been saying over the years, uh, who I don't want to get free advertising to, uh, we've been saying, you know, we need to like have a revolution to like kill the cops or whatever. And it's like, fine, go do it. I mean, if you're really serious, like don't waste time on the intertubes or, or, or being a journalist or anything else. Like if you really are serious, if the situation is really that bad and your life is really that terrible and you've got people around you that you claim agree with you and all that, like seriously, like organize and do it. And if you don't do it, then I think that kind of shows that you don't even believe what you're saying, or at least in some sense, it's kind of like a force show, like like Dungeons and Dragons role playing type of thing, right? And that's right, and that's why Shane, like like even with even like with the Vanu podcast, like that's why the focus there is like lifestyle changes, and that's stuff I'm actually doing. So yes, you know there there is there is a time to you know, uh, you know basically you know call truth to power or whatever. Um, but I don't know. You know, there are times where, you know, I, I kind of wish people were more sincere about, you know, claims they were making, but the fact, the fact of the matter is that they're just not. And I think Old Man Rayo kind of understood that as well, which is why he decided to go more with lifestyle changes, because that is what he actually had direct control over. And apparently, that seemed to work the best for him. And so far, my own practice of it is yielding the best results for me. So I have no issues, basically, I don't want to say necessarily goading, but let's say, Pointing out people's controlled schizophrenia when they claim to be sincere about use of force issues, and then I point out how insincere they actually are, and and kind of showing the insincerity on their part just in general. So yes, even if it was more about second realms and building second realms, or building an agora, or or, or practicing Vanu or any of these uh, different libertarian strategies, the fact that many of them are not doing any version of any of these kind of shows that they're really just not sincere. It's and 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 so much of the servile society is filled with people like that. And that unfortunately that's just kind of where it is. You know, you don't don't look at what people are saying, look at what they're actually doing. And obviously like the stuff you're doing is good and and so forth. But that that's just kind of where I'm at. And I know people mean well and look, I know there's barriers to entry and I know there's obstacles and stuff, but you know at some point so at some point something's got to give, right? And um you know, I mean, personally, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my own business going like like this is where my focus is. So, yeah, I don't mind taking a break from the stuff I'm usually doing during most of the day to kind of call a bunch of people a bunch of hypocrites when, in fact, they are. And I know for a fact they are because that's what I used to do pretty much all the time at one point. And now I'm doing other things with my life to basically try and be more productive and also, to be fair, practice what I'm preaching, too, because I think at the end of the day, integrity is where really where it's at. Right. Right. If you have somebody who's an authoritarian, I just don't want somebody to be a lefty authoritarian, right, right wing, whatever. Be a really nasty authoritarian like Feinstein or Pelosi or somebody or even worse. 
like really just just go all out like like throw people in jail pass laws write 20 million ordinances like really just clamp down on people and really wield power kind of like the fictional frank underwood from house of cards wields power like that like really go all the way don't 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 footsie it like do it all and similarly you know, well, a lot of people are saying, oh, we want to have a use of force. And we're like, OK, fine, go do it. You say you want to. You say that's the solution. You say all this, then do it. And so like when Shane, you and I are saying stuff like, well, maybe lifestyle changes are pretty much where it's at. Then it's like, yeah, and we're doing it. <laughs> you know, it's I think at the end of the day, it comes down to integrity. And so that being said. Um, you know, anything that can really be done to kind of help people like, like practice much of anything, um, and, and help clarify some things that may not have been necessarily explained the, the best the first time. I, I think that's good too. And, and hopefully this, this episode has been helpful for people who, uh, uh if there were any sort of, uh, knowledge gaps regarding the second, uh, the second realms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, uh, well said, well said, uh, Joe, do you have anything else, man? Oh no, man! I'm good. I think we covered covered everything, and and Kyle's been very informative, and, and uh, it's it's been a really good discussion. Um, I, I like Kyle's uh, position because I see more more of that position. It's it just helps me out. It's, uh, right. Yeah, this it's been great. Fantastic, fantastic. So yeah, Joe, thanks so much for coming on again. You can find him at steamit.com forward slash at Joe Sal. I'll put all those links uh, in the show notes. You watch on, it amazes me. People watch on Saturday night. Cops, top cops, tough cops, 911. All of these stories that are glorifying the police state and falling right into the manipulation as they watch police with no search warrant, with no court order, break down people's doors, tear out their walls, rip open their mattresses. All in the name of the war on Pretty sneaky. You see him stop people in the streets, and the guy's got $400 in his pocket. They don't press, press any charges. They didn't even have any reasonable suspicion to stop the person and search him. And what do they do? They take their money, and they don't give it back. And America's watching this, and the stupid idiots, yes you, you, stupid idiots, you sit there and watch it, not realizing that when you take away that man's freedom, you've also taken away yours. You see, because they can do the same thing to you. Just because you talk a way that they don't like you talking, or because you wear red shoes and they don't like red shoes, they can do the same thing to you. And under the new law, without a court order, without a search warrant, they can break down your door, they can rip open your mattresses, your couches, your walls, they can trash your house. All in the name of the war on drugs. And let's say they don't like the color of your shoes. All they have to do is drop a little pouch of cocaine in your living room behind your couch and find it and say, Aha! You're a drug dealer. What happens then? Now they can confiscate your house, all your possessions, all your property, all your bank accounts, all your cars, boats, vacation cottages, whatever you have. And they can auction it off within 24 hours without ever even pressing charges against you. Without a court order, without due process, without just comp uh, compensation, and there's not a damn thing that you can do about it.
Not a damn thing. At least right now. At least right now. And the reason you can't do a damn thing about it is because you're the one who brought it about through your stupidity. You're mentally crippled. You're operating from a position of ignorance, apathy, abdication, irresponsibility. We're losing our country, our freedoms, everything. And these are these are strong accusations of the American public. What what do you hope to accomplish by angering the very audience that you want to watch and listen to you? Go prove me wrong. Go make me the idiot. In so doing, you're gonna find out what the truth is, and maybe you'll wake your up. <laughs> and if you do, maybe we can save our country. Because I don't really care at this point whether you get mad at me or not. My country's disappearing. My freedoms are disappearing. My daughter's going to live as a slave in the world order if you people don't wake up and help me. So, if I had a two by four, literally, I would smack you upside the head with it. I don't care if you get mad at me. It's beyond that state. You know, I'm going to put my life on the line. Why would I care if you get mad at me? Mm -hmm. You know, um, people say, "Well, don't you feel threatened? Don't you feel like your life is in danger?" Are you kidding? You're the people who sent your sons and daughters to fight an, an illegal, immoral, unjustified war in the Middle East, and that didn't bother you a bit that they might have got killed over there, and you're worried that I might get hurt or killed right here, really defending my country. Mm. Really fighting in defense of the Constitution? Right.